You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. It is Monday, February 11th, 2019, and this is the MMA Hour. Welcome, everyone. My name is Luke Thomas. I'm the host of this program. Thank you so much for joining me. It is a star-studded edition of the show today. The winner of the UFC 234 main event, Israel Adesanya, will be here. Following that, it's just the UFC heavyweight champion of the world, Daniel Cormier. He will be here, plus the guy who is on the main event of the prelims, for UFC on ESPN1 this coming week, Aljamain Sterling, the funk master, is going to be here. Plus, you're going to be here when you're my guest for the sound off. We take your calls, as always, 844-866-2468. And we'll get to your tweets as well using the hashtag TheMMAHour. I'm told that there was a bunch of both of those this week. Um, plus, we'll do the Monday Morning Analyst. As a note, we have made a change before you guys. I mentioned this last week. I'll repeat it again. Um, the Monday Morning Analyst, that is going to be a YouTube exclusive. So if you are listening on the podcast, we cut that out. You can just get it exclusively uh, online. Want to make sure you had a seamless audio experience. I had a nice conversation with uh, Adesanya. I asked him about the comments from Chris Weidman and Paulo Bojashin-Yacosta. I asked him, are you going to fight Kelvin Gastelum or what's going to happen with that? I asked him about the pay-per-view points that he had brought up. I asked him a lot of things. Here is my discussion with him. All right, I am joined now by the gentleman who was victorious in the UFC 234 main event, Israel Adesanya. Israel, thank you for joining me. I appreciate it. Easy as. What's up, Luke? All right, man. Let's get into it here a little bit. I went back and I watched everything you had to say after the fight, and you actually hadn't even showered at that point. And you told everybody, let me shower. Let me download this information. You want to know how it felt? Your answer was it felt cool. All right. You had a moment to shower, presumably. You had a moment to download it at least a little bit. And I'm assuming you might have even gone back and watched the tape. Now, this far out from the fight, how do you feel about how it went? Uh, still cool. Still very cool. Still kind of surreal a little bit. Because when I was watching it myself, there were certain moments I was like, just for me, they're like special moments for me because they were um, shit that I kind of like already knew and I've seen before many times happen with other Silver's opponents and I never fell victim to. So, um, yeah, I watched the fight. Uh, I wasn't sure about the second round at first because um, in the second round, there was a, his only success in that fight was in the second round when he jabbed me. It was like two jabs in a row. So he jabbed me. Then I was like, oh, shit. And like, even before I could like, fuck, he just jabbed me. And I, boom, another one just hit me. And I was like, fuck. And then I was blind in one eye. And I was on the fence. And he knew it. And he was trying to close in. Like, the way how I handled that, that was really cool for me. You know, how I, a lot of people would have just, you know, their mind, their mind plays tricks on them. And they're like, oh, fuck. And then they, you know, turn their back or whatever. And they fucks them up. Uh, here we go. Yeah, that was the only problem, uh, moment of um, adversity I had in that fight where I felt like, oh, fuck. 
But um, yeah, apart from that, I watched the fight again. I was fast. I was quick. My timing was on. I was able to flow, and I didn't I didn't hesitate too much. So yeah, I'm happy with the performance. And um, uh, man, I wish I'd just throw more leg kicks because the shit he does, man. Even my coach knows. He hides how he's hurt. He hides it, you know. With um, I when I when I chopped his leg that one time and he squatted down, that buckled him. And I've done this before, but he tried to hide it with that like taunt. But yeah, he, he's crafty. He's a veteran, and it was cool to share the cage with him and just have fun. I think we both had fun last night. Uh, do you look at the numbers of your fights at all? You ever check fight metric to see what those tell you? Is that at all a priority for you? It's not a priority, but it's it's good to look at. It's interesting to look at. Last I heard was um twenty one leg kicks at the end of the fight. I think John Anik or Dom Cruz alluded to that. But um, yeah. Why? Well, what's up? What does it say? So the second round was pretty competitive. You both actually landed the same number of strikes. Now that doesn't mean the strikes themselves were equal, but for what it's worth, numerically they were the same. So that's going to be a little bit difficult to parse. But the, what was what stood out to me was the first and the third round. Not only were you just way ahead of him, but if you look at his overall average in the fight, is significantly below what he normally throws, significantly below what he normally lands. And I'm wondering, was a part of the game plan to just outwork him so to the point where he was offensively muted a little bit? Not outwork him, but scramble him, outscramble him in the head, outscramble his brain make him unsure about what we're doing. So definitely, I said it before, he's never fought a striker like me. He's never fought a guy like me. Everyone else he fights just stands there and looks stupid. So I was able to get my footwork right. I was able to get my timing right. I was able to, yeah, I was able to outmaneuver him. I was able to be a step ahead in in certain situations. And there was certain strikes even that like literally just, by the whispers. And, you know, it was cool just to see. But, like, in real time, it looked like they were hitting, you know, but, like, they just whizzing past. And he was, he's still with it, man. He's quick. My setups were, some of them worked, but not all of them worked. There's one kick I, I wish I threw in hindsight. Which one? There's one. I can't tell you. I can't oh. tell you. It's a, it's, it's, I'll tell you one thing. It's a change-up. It's a change-up type kick. You know, one of my change-ups is my question mark kick because, it looks like it's going to the body and stuff, but he was already ready for that. So there's there's one other one I had in my arsenal that instead of going down the side, it would have gone up the middle. And I was like, fuck, I would, that would have been perfect. So, yeah, hindsight's a powerful thing. But, yeah, it was, it was just cool just to watch that fight. And really, I'm going to watch it again and again and again. This fight I'll probably watch more than the rest of my fights in the UFC. Uh, after the fight. Uh, but, yeah. Excuse me. No, it's all right. I really, I really want to just uh, watch that fight because every time I watch, I've watched it twice now, and every time I watch it, I've I've taken something away from it, from myself, Silva, and from just the whole spectacle itself. There was some of the narrative after the fight, and at first, when I watched it in real time, I was like, "Yeah, it was more competitive than I thought it was." And again, I think the second round. It was pretty competitive for no other reason than numerically the strikes aligned in that way. But the first and third rounds were not competitive. If, if I asked you if you thought it was competitive, what would you say? Uh, competitive in the point in, to the point that he he brought it, yes, but not competitive in the point that he was matching me. The only time he was able to match me was the second round, and that was because he landed a nice jab, you know. 
good good on him. Credit to him. He landed that nice jab and flicked it again straight away. Now, it was it was well timed, and the second the follow up jab was well timed as well. And he was like, "Oh shit, I gotta get this guy now." So he started to like put the pressure on and put the sauce on, and he brought that energy. I felt that energy, and I was like, "Man, this is how a lot of people can wilt under him. They don't know what to do." And it, you know, even when he put his hands down, he was kind of like he, he, he was expecting me to throw. It was so tempting. It was I was like, this is how a lot of guys get caught in this genjutsu. He puts his hands down and says, hit my face. And I was so tempted. But I like, nah, fuck you. I've got... The second time he did it in the third round, I was like, stop doing that. <laughs> I just said that. I was like, stop doing that. Fuck. Because I was like, man, if you might not think like, if I fucking land something crazy on you, you're going to sleep. But, you know, he's he can hit the flow state as well. We were both flowing well last night. And, Cool. I'm. I'm still like, yeah. It's it's crazy that happened for me. Uh, well, let me ask you something. This might be my uh, American ignorance. I've not traveled to Australia. I've been around the world, but I've never been to Australia. I was surprised they were chanting Silva's name. Now I understand it on one level with the Australian crowd. Silva's a legend. He's uh, you know one of the greatest of all time, if not the greatest. I get that they would rally behind him, but I thought. Again, forgive my ignorance. I, you know, you're the re- reasonably hometown guy, the Kiwi. Were you were you surprised by that? It didn't bother me. I'm not surprised because guess what? They want to see me lose. They want to see me lose. They want to see me fall, like Rousey did to Holly Holm in Melbourne, the Etihad Stadium. So, you know, this is this is just another one of those things. And you know, I think I heard it in the third round. I was like. Like silver, clap, 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 silver, and I was like, all right, whatever. Just don't let it even. It doesn't phase me at all. Never ever even enters my mind. But I was, yeah, it's just normal. Even at the, at the end of the fight, when I was on the mic, they were booing. I found out now they, were, they weren't booing me. They were booing um, what's his name, Kelvin Gastelum, because he was on the big screen. But I didn't uh. see that. So when I was on the mic and I was talking and I just started hearing boo, I'm like, oh, shut the fuck up. Like, a lot of guys blog, like, come on, why are you guys booing me? I don't need anyone's approval. I tell them to shut the fuck up. Tell them where to go. So, and I was like, right, whatever, fuck out of here. And I just, I didn't even care. I was like, what the? So, for me, I was like, it was confusing. I was like, did I do something wrong? Well, I don't really care. I, it's just, it is what it is. You know, this could have been in Brazil, and they'll do, ooh, vamos here. Ooh, vamos here. And wouldn't even make a difference. So, yeah. Um, Silver's a big Big, big lane, you know, worldwide. And this is the first time he's actually fought outside of, um, you know, the the North America and Brazil in a long time or ever. So for people who are big fans of MMA, a lot of them are big fans of MMA because of Silva. And, you know, yeah, it's worldwide. He's affected a lot of people worldwide. And he's got a big support over here. And, yeah, I'm with my own support crew. It's me and my cornermen and my people that came to watch me. Now, you can well imagine you get a big win like that on a big pay-per-view uh, and your contemporaries are going to have something to say about it. Chris Weidman suggesting on Twitter you were a tad bit overrated. Bohashinya, Paulo Costa didn't particularly like the performance. I really hate these sort of cheap questions about, like, what do you think about it? But on the other hand, I kind of have to ask, do you pay any mind to that? Um, yeah, I didn't pay any mind to it, but Chris Weidman, I'm overrated. Okay, why? Because he beat Silva, you know, a little bit more handily than me than I did, you know. Um, overrated. Interesting. I could say the same thing about him, heavily. And yeah, when I get this belt in my next fight, 
they can all line up and they can find out how overrated I am. And Chris Weidman, that's his opinion. That's his opinion. And I don't have to pay attention to it. But yeah, overrated. That's interesting. Hmm. Uh, what's his name? The Juice Monkey. Paula. Paula. My bitch. What did he say again? He said something that I want to last two rounds with him. Something like he that. He is... Yeah. See, Silva, that, that fight my, with me and him was just physical chess on the highest level with striking. Because it was just like... We're, we're the, the, even if, if you know about footwork, intricacies of footwork, it's... It was beautiful to watch. Well, a guy like Paula, he's a walking, punching bag. Walking, punching bag, juiced up, blown up, and throws body shots and heavy, heavy, heavy. Bring that ass over here. I would test him. Uriah Hall was jabbing him up. Fuck, how the fuck is he going to hit me with those T-Rex arms? Honestly, if, if I'm behind those jabs, things that follow up would be much, much different. So, yeah, um, a guy like that, he should just focus on his fight he's got next. Yoro Metal. And... Yeah, I'm, let them talk. I, whenever I ever, ever like, if you ever seen me, Luke, talk shit about someone after they fight, like on Twitter to try, they're trying to just get some shine because I'm behind the spotlight. You know, I don't give a fuck about what these guys are doing. I just give a fuck about me and I'm living my best life. But anytime I do something, anytime I breathe, these guys tweet, say something stupid. Oh, my opinion. So, yeah. Twitter fingers, sit down and keep doing your thing. Speaking of which, man, we're we're like literally on the same day a year ago, you made your UFC debut, which you won five fights in not in 2018, but since that day, obviously in a 365 day calendar year. Jesus, Jesus Christ, dude, that's a ridiculous work schedule. Uh, you've been healthy for all of these. You've made it for all of these. You do media for all of these. On one level, I'm sort of amazed that you're able to do it. On the other hand, is there any way to like reflect on what the last year has meant for your career? Um. Yeah, it's what I do. Like times like this, when I'm I'm alone, my um, resting coach just left now because uh, you know, um, they have to they have to catch the flight. I'm changing my flight, but you know, like in the shower, I got some time alone to myself. Um, and now I'm alone in my room, and I just get some time alone to myself. You know, or I, even while he was here, I'm still able to just reflect and just think about everything and just like, well, I'm. It's kind of getting normal now, but like, cause I've kind of like gotten gotten over the whole thing of me, you know, realizing my, my, my destiny and living my dream. But sometimes you still have to stop to dispel the rules and like, man, really doing this shit and be grateful because, yeah, gratitude is the attitude. I'm very grateful just to live the life that I live because, you know, a lot of people, they don't get this opportunity. They don't get this opportunity just to, like, do what they want to do. They have to do stuff they don't want to do, which is work a job they don't want to work, you know? But I get to, I get to work in a job where I do want to work and I enjoy what I do every single day. So I'm grateful. Very, 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 very grateful. Do you worry about burnout? Mm, see, now, I said that, like, after my third flight. <laughs> I had my fourth flight and I've had my fifth flight. But my body is different, man. I've, like, I, I train smart. I know when to pull the, like, pull, pull, pull the gas and just, like, pump the brakes so, yeah, right now with Rob, you know, healing from surgery, I'm the number one contender. Make no mistake about it. Don't let anyone tell you different. I fought an unranked fighter because me and Dana had an agreement that I was going to fight for the belt, and he got honey-dicked. And, yeah, if he had won, I'm sure they would have held up their uh, 
side of the bargain, but whatever me, I'm just gonna chill. You know, I've been busy. I get itchy nose. So for once, I might actually just relax. I might just chill and just keep just getting better as a fighter, as a martial artist. And yeah, uh, Kelvin and Rob can reschedule the fight. And maybe I'll just fight three times this year. I won't fight five times. You know, maybe I'll just fight three times. I'll just, yeah, I just don't, I don't want to be that champion of fights twice a year. That's not my thing. Three times a year when I'm champion, that's it. At least I want to, I want to pump three fights out. So I've had one now. So maybe they're saying April, he might be fine. April, May, June. You could do maybe International June. Fight Week. Yeah, July, or well, it's National Fight Week. Mm-hmm. They fight, and then I'll fight later on after that. Because, yeah, I, like you said, I've been busy. Five fights in one year, so I could keep racking them up. But what's the point? Or maybe I might even do a super fight in the meantime. Uh, <laughs> now let me ask you this what if they decide uh what if rob can't come back uh immediately obviously we hope that he does but let's posit a scenario where he can't would you fight gaslam for an interim title is that a thing that you care about why is interim like rob has been um this is not the first time this has happened um it's, it's not in his control like i said it's in the control of player one but you know he he doesn't like Luke Rockhold as well. Back in, you know, he wouldn't make way. He's unreliable. So well, does maybe it's because of his training, maybe because of the way, maybe because of the way he. Um, I don't. Know, I don't know what his training's like, but I look after myself. You know, I don't know what causes hernias. I, I've seen, you know how I've seen like you know how, how they happen, and whatnot. But I don't know what causes it exactly. But yeah, I look after myself. I show up, and this is not the first time. You know, he's had to pull up due to injury or something like that, you know. And Dominic Cruz, eventually he got stripped. He got stripped. And so, yeah, I think Rob just gets stripped. When he gets healthy, he can, he can be the number one contender. So me and Kelvin fight for the real belt. Fuck the interim. So just strip Rob. We fight for the real belt. When he's healthy, he can come see me. Hmm. By the way, you mentioned something I thought was fascinating at the, uh, at the post-fight presser, which was, what about these points? Now, the points would be in the champion's contract. He did not compete. And you were sort of uh, painting a, a, a situation where you were going to pay them out anyway. Why not them go to us? Did you talk to Dana about this? Like, Do you think that you should get those uh, dollars since you guys were just all of a sudden thrust into the main event? Um, well, it's not in my contract yet. So I brought that up because I felt that's a lot of money being left on the table after I've done the work. I Look, the numbers don't fucking lie, Luke. Even as you can, I know the UFC have their ways of looking at the, the system, the backlog or whatever, and seeing what people are really watching. But just go on the countdown show itself, the countdown show, which everyone watches just to get hyped for these fights. Their ones and the official one itself, because there's two of them that's broken up, so the official one itself got like a couple hundred thousand. Rob and Kelvin got a couple hundred thousand. I've crossed a million now, me and Silver. It's not just me alone. If it was me and someone else, I probably wouldn't have, maybe would have done, I don't know if we would have done a million, maybe like 800,000 or something. But I know with me and Silver together, this matchup, it's gone over a million. So I don't feel like I should get it. I don't feel that Silver should get it. I feel like we should both get it. You know, I don't know what the deal is, what we can sort out, but I sold this fight. I did my job. I, I hyped this fight up and not like, I'm not saying hype it up like in some bullshit way, but like I, I did my job. I showed up, I fought. And before that, 
the fight was already sold with just the fact that uh, the magnitude of this fight and the, and the story, the value behind this fight. So, yeah, I sold this fight. I did my job, and I feel like, come on, I was already the main event anyway. He just happened to be champion and fighting his number one contender. So, we were the we were the fight people wanted to see the most, and I feel people got, you know, what they what they wanted. If they if they didn't like the fight, they're probably just drunk and don't know shit about striking. So, yeah, I feel like. Yeah, definitely. You know, the UFC have every right not to give us those points because it's not in my contract. Or it wasn't in the contract, but fair is fair. And it's not always, I mean, we've always had a good working relationship, so I want to keep it that way. So eventually we'll sit down with Dana and just talk like, look, okay, what can we do? Because that's a lot of money being left on the table for the hard work that me and Anderson Silva put on. You know, so, yeah. Yeah, I don't want to leave that money on the table when I feel like it belongs in my pocket. Yeah, uh, to your point, I did see those numbers, and they were they were along the lines just as you described. Um, just last question, and I appreciate your time. Thinking back to your kickboxing days, and now reflecting on the journey to this point, like is you know you keep talking about player one and like you're in control. You have this sort of control theme generally about the way you describe yourself, and it's interesting. Like when you were in kickboxing, thinking about how it would be when you transitioned over. Did it did it seem so seamless? Did it did it go like this in your mind? Yeah, pretty much. I knew I was going to be the superstar in the UFC. I knew I was going to be one of the new cash cows. I knew I was going to be the guy that everyone wanted to fight. Everyone's hoping, you know, like when fucking what's the name? What's his name? Sorry, uh, McGregor jumped on the scene and he started getting some shine, and everyone started calling him out. I knew that was going to be me. I knew that was going to be me. So watching someone like McGregor's career you know, gave me a little bit of a, a a peek into the future. Like, okay, this is going to happen. These guys, you know, like they're going to come for you this way. That is the, and even things like the embedded, you know, Alex who films the embedded, I, uh, watching him follow guys around, you know, like Anderson Silva, like Rousey, like John Jones seeing, it just gave me a peek into like, okay, this is what you have to get ready for. So a lot of other guys just watch those just to get entertained for fights. But for me coming up, I was watching those preparing myself like, okay, you're going to have to get ready for this. You're going to have to get ready for 6 a.m. starts. You're going to have to get ready for. So, yeah, that's exactly how I planned. But there's a lot of variables, which I, I planned for variables, but I just didn't know what they were because they're going to be random. So I just know how to adapt and overcome. And um, like I said, I'm yeah, I'm grateful for the way I'm just I'm handling all this because a lot of people would not handle this the way I'm handling it. You know, and you've seen that a lot. A lot of people rise and then they fall. People want to build them up, watch them rise and watch them fall. It's a weird thing about humanity. So that's why you, you see me when I walk out. I don't pay attention to no one. It's me and my corner against everybody else. And it's not being me being an asshole or being me being a nice guy. I'm just I know what I'm there to do. Trust me, everyone would have been super happy if finally you just we just want to see the the guy who thinks he's the man we want to see him fall for whatever reason and i've been part of it i've tasted that before the green-eyed monster so i can understand it when i see it in other people but when they come to my face and tell me i'm so happy for you i just i, I can smell it i can see it i'm like you would not be happy for me you would you you, you would love it if, if 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 silver had chinned me you know if he had caught me at one point and yeah so for me i'm just I'm always wary of that. I'm always very wary of that. I never get caught up in all this bullshit because a lot of people get caught up in it and think, even Silva told me, don't lose your focus. One of the things he told me in my ear, don't lose your focus. And you can kind of hear it a little bit, like before Herb Dean grabbed us away, I said, you know, I understand. I've, I've seen a lot of 
a lot of snakes in this game. I've seen how this game is played and yeah, not everyone is your friend. He's like, yes, yes. So he's just letting me know, don't lose my focus. Stay, you know, stay on the path of, of greatness pretty much. And yeah, trust me, I will fall at some point. But the thing about me is whenever I fall in my life, personally or professionally, I always bounce back like a trampoline. I can't add much to that. Uh, Israel Adesanya, congrats on the win. Thank you for your time. I appreciate you, Luke. You're the man. All right. There he is. There you have it. Israel Adesanya. What a conversation that was, huh? Got to make some noise in that middleweight division. Really appreciate his time. Let me just say something. There are few fighters at his stature as accommodating with media as he is, and I don't know how long that's going to last especially with the time zone difference. Most of the time, these guys are like, they do so much media when they're at his stage, and as they get higher and higher and higher, that gets harder to do, and they get a little more selective, understandably, trust me. But I just want to say thank you to Israel for making some time for me yesterday. I know he's done an absolute metric ton of it in the week leading up. I I, I was very confident he was going to win, um, but I wanted to get him on just the same. All right, so what's the deal? We got Daniel Cormier on Skype. How's this working? Oh, he's not ready yet. Okay, we'll get him in here in just a second. We have him on Skype. By the way, I think this is the first time Mr. Cormier has been on Skype with me. We've had him on a couple times, and they've all been on the phone. So this will be a fun little first uh, when we get him on. And there's lots to talk about with Mr. Cormier, not least of which is that there's the whole Stipe thing looming out there. Dana White telling TMZ Sports he ain't retiring. He's got that injury, apparently, that he revealed on Twitter. And, uh, by the way... Cain Velasquez fights this weekend. So there is a lot to get to there as well. Hopefully we'll get him on here in just a minute. Um, yes, indeed. I'm trying to think what else was from that UFC 234 card that stood out to me. Oh, real quickly, people complaining about the Sam Alvey thing. It's like, look, if you're Sam Alvey, I get why you're upset because you're like, oh, I wasn't done, understood. But the referee speaks to the fighter before the fight about what to expect and what they're looking for. I can't imagine any referee uh, is ever like, hey, just keep your thumb up and you'll be great. <laughs> like, it, that's, not, that's not a conversation that happens. Oh, you know what? Let me, um, I don't know if I'm, bro- oh, we got him now? I actually have a Kelvin Gastelum staff update I want to get to a little bit later as well. Let's go to him now. He, uh, without any further ado, he is the UFC heavyweight champion of the world, the one and only Daniel Cormier. Look at that. So, sun's out, guns out. Hi, Daniel. There are no more. Hey, Luke, as a heavyweight, there are no more guns. There's just body everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I see you. You're even wearing a food hoodie. You like pokey? Yes. It's my restaurant. I own these restaurants, California and Florida, Pokey OG. When did you restaurants? When did you start that? That's interesting. In a couple of years, few yeah, two two years now, two three years. The one in Cal- Anaheim opened like three years ago, and one in Miami opened like last summer. So it's good. Good for you. That's good great times. to hear. If I'm ever out in uh, those neck of the woods, I'll be sure to stop by and get a poke bowl. Um, all right, well, man. Well, well let's sure you it and you give me some love. All right, I definitely will. I'll put it on Instagram and the whole bit. All right, man, there's a lot to talk to you about, so let's get right into it. First of all, I want to talk about the Stipe stuff, but you did mention in the course of that on Twitter that you were still injured. When we spoke to you last in New York, you were kind of dealing with the thumb. Is it still the thumb? What's the status? 
No, nah, man, I had some stuff. Remember, remember I, I hurt my back at, in New York City when I sneezed. This was no joke, you know, and it just it's just still trying to rehab rehab it and get better. It was just me hurting my back. I put a lot of I put a lot of miles on myself in my life with the wrestling, but then last year was a big year. And like I said, man, you don't get to have that type of year at my age and not really feel the effects of it. And I'm still going through that right now. But the thumb is better? Yeah, the thumb's fine. I mean, I, I think a lot of times you, <laughs> you, you're you hurt in so many ways, but then when one thing like overtakes the other one, you almost forget about it. And then you start to focus on the back and getting the back better and the hand. You know, obviously I still have a – my doctor said I've got arthritis in my wrist. That's why my wrist bothers me all the time. So there's nothing I'm really going to be able to do about that. You know, that's just something I have to deal with. But – uh, the back is, is, has been the focus lately. Now, what has been the timetable for return? Obviously, there's no fight right now booked for you. Let's say that there was, and they said, what's the earliest you could do it while being healthy? What would you say? I just don't know if I'm going to do what I did in New York, you know, again, where I have to fight where I'm not 110%, because I truly do feel like um, the reason my back went out was because I went from zero to like trying to prepare for a fight in three weeks. And I can't really do that because I need those first four weeks of a pre-training camp just to prepare my body to go through a full eight-week camp. So I usually do 12 weeks. I did all that in four, and that's why my body started like falling apart on me. So, I mean, 12 weeks and I'm not at 100%. So say, I'm re- I, I don't know, um, spring, uh, summer, I don't know. I'm not exactly okay. sure yet. Yeah, so nothing imminent. Okay. Uh, good to Tell hear that. It's, no, I, yeah, I, I know I was gonna do be done by March, but um, that's been pushed because of the uh, the injuries and the recovery. Yeah, I was just gonna ask. So that means the official fortieth birthday. You and me are both thirty nine, by the way. I can. I, I'm not super athlete, but my back hurts when I sneeze too. But you <laughs> are gonna push that into the summer now. It looks like probably just do as a, yeah, as you mentioned yeah. as a consequence of the injury. Yeah, as a consequence of the injury, you know, I mean. I had got offered an opportunity to fight March 2nd, but I just couldn't do it, you know, so um, I had to uh, kind of they, – they tried to accommodate that day, trying to get me that fight before uh, my birthday, but I wasn't able to do it. Did they want you to fight Stipe on March 2nd? Uh, I hadn't even gotten an opponent yet, so um, I don't know who I was going to fight. All right, let's talk about Stipe. Let me just say something kind of in his defense – you know, if you're Stipe and you're thinking about it, you can kind of understand why he is the way he is about this, why he would want a rematch so bad, how it must bother him. Like, on on all those levels, I get it. It's just, and I saw the video he put out where he had nice things to say about you and your kids. Like, I've got nothing bad to say about Stipe in any capacity whatsoever other than, and you mentioned this, I just don't understand the O thing at all. What do you make of it? You kind of addressed it on Twitter, but when you saw that, did it bother you that he said you owed him? That's that's the one issue that made me respond because lately I've just kind of been ignoring it. Because as you said, I do think that he is not he un, I understand where he's coming from because I've been there with with Jones twice and I'm like God, I know I can beat him if I could just get another opportunity to do it. I know 
I can beat him. And it burns at you and it eats at you, especially in the way that he lost the fight. You know, it's like, I get it, you know, but I don't have to really owe anything. I've said that too before. I've said he deserves it, right? I've said that. He deserves a rematch if I don't get to fight Brock. I've always stood by that. But you can't just go, well, you owe it to me. You know, and I don't want to I don't want to sit here and talk bad about Stipe because I like Stipe. I think he's a good guy. He's a fantastic father and uh, he's a pillar of the community. He's a great fighter. I, I think he's great. But you can't sit there and say he owes me because when I lost to Jones the first time, I thought, man, if I could just get another opportunity, I didn't just sit and wait. I went right back to work at trying to re-earn the opportunity if they weren't going to give it to me. I wasn't a champion, obviously, so the circumstances were different. But I had right away scheduled a fight to try to get my way back to that fight. And it's almost like he hasn't really taken that approach. That kind of like, that's one of the things where I'm kind of like, well, what's going on? You know, like, why hasn't he fought yet still? If you were his friend or his cornerman, is that your advice? Like, okay, I know it sucked that you lost. Maybe lobby for the rematch, but if it appears like it's not going to happen immediately, get back out there and take a fight? Just go beat somebody up. You know, like, then you can't ignore it. You know, he can go knock somebody out again, and it's like, well, you got to fight him. You know, like, the last memory of him in the octagon is not him getting knocked out. It's like, this game is a dirty game. I mean, we saw Jose Aldo have that belt for so many years, and Connor just was gone. It was like, it's, I'm not looking back. You know, and when when Chris Weidman knocked out Anderson Silva, you know, it was like a year or something before they fought again, right? Something like, yeah, more than... Was well, it Anderson's next fight? Um, I think so, yeah. Chris fought again, you know what I'm saying? So it was like, but it was Anderson Silva. He had the belt for 10 years. It's like, when we talk about the longest reigning heavyweight champ, it's like, the heavyweight division is so, like, explosive that you, you don't get super long reigns. And if somebody fought Weidman before Anderson fought again, I mean, and Jose Aldo never got to fight Conor McGregor again, like, it, this, this game that we play is not the most fair thing in the world. And the only way to truly make a statement is to go beat somebody. I just don't like that I fought again, and he still hasn't fought. Let me ask a candid question here. In the absence of a fighter's union, is the best way to get ahead in the UFC to accommodate them, to accommodate their schedule, where they just constantly have to churn out events? I think the best way to a best the best way to get along with the organization and also for yourself is to just be busy. Be busy as you can. I mean, I fought I think now I fought in the UFC more than I've fought in any other organization. And I mean, I've only been in the UFC for five years. I fought in strike force for five years. Like I just fight and fight and fight. Like I fight so much that when they call me, if I'm healthy, I go fight. And there's, there's a, there's, there's good favor in that. And, and I believe that you can build not only with Stipe, but like just, with people, people want to see you compete. So let's talk about your next step. You're going to have to delay retirement. It doesn't. It's not clear for exactly how long. I'm sure it's obviously still looming hey, in some. Listen, hey, listen to this. Listen to this. This yeah. is some crazy. This is some crazy shit right here. Okay. 
Stipe hasn't fought in so long that John Jones will have fought twice since he last got to the octagon. When was the last time that's happened? Jones will have had two fights. And at the rate that he's fighting, maybe three by the time Stipe fights again, if he waits and he, like, fights me in the summer. That's crazy. Because Jones doesn't fight very often. Wow. That's crazy. I hadn't even thought of it that way, but you're right. Jesus. Um, okay, well, with that in mind, we don't know exactly when your retirement is, but it is obviously still a, a real endpoint. It's going to happen. Keeping yes. Stipe in mind, Dana White told TMZ Sports, he's like, Cormier ain't retiring. We got three more fights for him. Did he tell you that, or is he just telling TMZ that? Telling you guys that. You know, like, it's he, he's a very powerful man, and he can wish things into existence and then talk, speak things into existence. You know, those are conversations that we will have fight by fight. You know, um, we got to watch Anderson Silva fight last weekend at an advanced age and do well. But he, I don't want to be fighting to the point that I'm judged by just being competitive. That's not enough for me. Interesting. Well, you're, I mean, you're a lot more than competitive. You're the heavyweight champion. So there is a, a pretty clear difference. I'm saying, like, so long that I'm getting praised for being competitive. That's not good for me. I don't. That's not. An, I don't like that. And and honestly, Anderson fought good, but when he looks back, he's gonna go, "Man, I should have won that fight." Because that's the mentality that a guy that's so legendary carries. And uh, whereas the general public's giving him uh, praise for just being doing good, that won't be enough for Anderson either. When he gets back home, he'll be like, "Man, I should have won." And that's going to really like kind of dig at him. So let's talk about this. I mean, is there any way to map out the next step in the future? Because you don't know when you're coming back. Stipe may or may not take a fight between then. I suspect if it's not Cain Velasquez, he'll beat anybody else, right? Because uh, he is that good. So, like, if you're yeah. thinking about your next fight, is it Stipe? Is it Brock? Like, where, where, when you're really beginning to consider what the next step's going to be, are there, is there still too many unknown variables? Um, I think maybe Lesnar next would be the fight. Um, and, and, and again, as I've always said, if it's not him, yeah, I'll fight Stipe again. It's just, it's just the same exact thing. And it's not me. We're not waiting for Brock Lesnar. It's like, because of my, my injuries, I'm just not available to fight. If I was available to fight, I probably would have fought Stipe already, but I'm just not available to fight right now. So, um, We'll see what happens with with Lesnar and and um, and then um, we'll we'll address what's after that. But um, if we talk about Dana's schedule of fights, he said Lesnar, Stipe, Jones. Yeah. I, I guess that last one at two hundred five would probably be the best because I don't want to be going down to two hundred five back up to heavyweight. So uh, it would be Lesnar, Miocic, and Jones if I had three fights. If I had three fights, if I had two. It may be Lesnar back to 205 to fight Jones, you know, but uh, it's not going to be, uh, it'll be on my terms. Moment of truth, Daniel. How heavy are you right now? Right now I weigh like 255 pounds, 255. Solid. Not, well, not solid, no. 255 <laughs> Full beer keg, full beer keg. I was looking. I'm in. I'm in the mirror. Like, ugh, that's just disgusting. I can't believe people called me fat before. 
Uh, all right, let me move this along. Your teammate, Kane Velasquez, is coming back, uh, which is just so exciting. So exciting that he's yeah. back. I really got I'm just, I can't, I, I, the buzz is going to build for this in such a way by Friday. I'm so excited for the weigh-ins just to see him back out there stairs. One of the best mean mugs in all of MMA. All right. Were you always confident he was going to come back? Was it ever for you a question of, I don't know if Kane's coming back or not? I think I always was hopeful that he would come back. I'm a massive Cain Velasquez fan. If you haven't learned that over the last 10 years that I've been here, you know, he's just, he's just everything you want in a fighter, man. He's got great cardio. He can really, uh, every, every single aspect of mixed martial arts, he's, he's efficient and he's good at. And I just was like, man, I just want to get to watch him fight again and compete again. So yeah, as you're excited, I'm excited. Not as a teammate, but also as a fan of the sport. Dude's just—he's a buzzsaw, and I can't wait to watch him where he belongs. You know, he belongs in that octagon, and I'm excited that he gets an opportunity to go and put his skill on display again. What has the time off done to him? You know, age is still a thing you have to consider. Not as much at heavyweight; it's not as much of a of a problem there. But he is older. Yeah. Nevertheless. You know, he has time to get better as a fighter, let those injuries heal. What are we in for on Saturday? You're going to see vintage, like the the best. Nothing's changed. He's still as good. He's still as fast. He still can wrestle as well. Because you got to remember, this whole time that he's been out, um, he's been just helping me the whole time he's been helping me. And that's what makes me so sad is that I've only been able to be there for him uh only on a few occasions because i can train and then i'm like hurt for a week because of you know right now so uh i haven't been able to be there as consistently as i want to but he's just been helping me and think about what i've done since the last time kane fought you know i've defended the light heavyweight title like two or three times and won the heavyweight title defended the heavyweight title so he's been just pushing me to heights that I never thought that I could reach. So, no, you won't see a difference in Cain Velasquez. He's still as good as he ever was. Is there any doubt in your mind that he won't be champion again? He'll be the champ very, very soon. Like, as soon as I'm out of there, he'll be the champion. As soon as I'm out of there, he'll be the champion. Uh, you know, it's just, the only issue with that is, like, um, the UFC has to know that now Cain is healthy. And they can trust him because he'll be around for a while. Right. Uh, you know what's interesting? I, I was thinking about this. You know what one of the most incredible achievements of AKA is? One is that you had Luke Rockhold champion, you champion, two different weight classes, Kane champion, Habib Nurmagomedov champion. By itself, that's pretty impressive or very impressive. Here's what's even more impressive. <laughs> when Luke wanted to go on his own path for a little while, Nobody cried about it, and I'm sure you know. I'm sure there's been problems behind the scenes, but publicly there was there didn't seem to be much of an issue with it. When Kane took a back seat, you got a chance to shine at heavyweight. Now that he's coming back, everyone's altering. What is so impressive about AKA is not merely the level of achievement, but the managing of careers with elite fighters in the same weight class at the same time. Dude, have you guys ever thought about that? That is unheard of for a gym. Well, people usually, it's the ego, right? The ego is normally the issue. The ego is normally the issue. And what I believe Javier Mendez and Bob Cook do so tremendously is they control egos. And we as fighters, are, are we're men, you know, and 
people always ask me stuff like, can you beat Habib? Nope. Can you beat Luke? Nope. Can you beat Kane? Nope. Because the moment you start spewing that negativity in the world, people run away with it. We're, we're all brothers and all we want is for the other one to be successful. It's just, it's just the, you, you, you check your ego at the door, man, because nobody's in there every day as the very best. And it's not even just us four. It's like other guys in the gym can take it to you on any given day. You know, you can go in there as a heavyweight and Justin Willis can put it on you. You know, it's just, it's just, you have to be open to learn and know that no one part is bigger than the machine. Um, AKA is going to be around forever. That's why it's sustained the test of time. So many gyms have come and gone since those guys opened the doors of the American Kickboxing Academy. And it has long stayed at the top of the game. And it's going to be there long after we're gone. You know, what's interesting is you have Habib who has blown up as this uh, star to the Muslim world, certainly to Russia, obviously his native Dagestan, it, it, which is you know part of it. But also there's a special community there as well. He might sit out for a year and they might create an interim title. There's some mild talk of him being stripped. Look, man. I thought that $500,000 fine by the Nevada Commission was outrageous. I said so publicly. I get that he's bitter about the whole thing. Nevertheless, I would not like to see him stripped. I would not like to see an interim title introduced. What is your thought about the best way for him to handle that, knowing that you're a friend and training partner? I think that Habib is doing the most honorable thing I've ever seen in my life. Not many guys will pay the fine, the five hundred grand. also pay the fines of your teammates and brothers. Right, he's paying their money too. Whatever they find, Manop, whatever they find, Zubai, he's gonna pay it too. Those are his brothers. They were there acting in to help him, I guess. And um, they're suspended longer. He will sit with them. That's one thing about those guys, man, and their 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 lifestyle and their community is that they are family at the highest level. And what he's doing is just so honorable. Not many people will do that. And He's doing it with the idea that even if they take his title, it does not mean more to him than standing next to his uh, his brothers. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. And I, I, I appreciate it. You know, I do think this, the fine was steep, whatever. Um, he also said he's not going to fight there anymore. So he's very he's very firm in his in his approach and very firm in, in what he wants to convey to the world. And I'm very proud of him. I'm proud of the man that Habib has become. From the moment he walked in the AKA to who he is today, I'm very proud of him. Well, we'll end on this. I don't know if you saw it, but, um, well, I'm sure you saw Bader become the champ champ over at Bellator. Um, Bader's always been a yes. good guy to me. I really appreciate that he's had an opportunity to advance his career in that way. Nevertheless, his coach wants to see a champ champ super fight, uh, which we know is not possible. But I will ask you to weigh in on Bader's um championship run there they literally couldn't land a glove on him and i know that there were fighters not necessarily in their prime but he is a pretty competitive fighter do you miss the opportunity to have potentially tangled with him i think first off i think ryan's done tremendous for himself i've, I've known ryan since he was in college i he's always been a hard worker and, and very committed to his family and everything else i think he's great um it is exciting to watch him gain a level of success that he never truly had gotten to in the UFC and, and the chances that he did get to get there, he had kind of faltered. Um, with that being said, he just really dominated those guys. And it, it was, it was, uh, it was crazy because King Mo, I watched tech him 
in wrestling, like maybe score like 10 takedowns. And he just truly, truly had to reset his mind to even compete against him, knowing that his best skill is 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 axed off, right? He can't use it against a guy like Mo. So he went out there and knocked him out. Yeah, it's been nice. You know, it's been it's been good. Um it's hard watching guys like Fedor man get knocked out like that. And um he dominated Mitrione, uh, knocked out Mo. It's just it's just it's just uh it's been good to watch him uh do what he's done. Uh, but he he wouldn't be able to fight me. I mean I like the guy but you know, it's just different. You know, it's just a little bit of a different approach to f- look, man. At the end of the day, I'm just a nasty old boy. You know, I learned that from Josh Barnett. You know, you get in there, you rub your elbow in their face, you kind of run your hand over their mouth. You know, I'm, I'm of the old school, like Josh Barnett. You know, just hurt them even when you're not doing much. And people don't really like that. So even when I'm hugging them, you know what it looks like? I'm just hugging them. I'm not just hugging them. I'm just kind of really driving my knuckles into their body. I'm driving like even when I'm on top and I've got my elbow just in the middle of the solar plex, I'm putting that the point of that elbow as deep in there as I can. It's always pain. And I learned that when Josh Barnett was putting pain on me whenever we fought in strike force. It's just a different uh, type of mentality that most guys can't match. You got to be a dog if you're going to beat Daniel Cormier. And I don't know if he has that dog in him. Well, I can't wait to see you return as the dog, as the champ, and so much more. Do me a favor, Daniel. Have some Claritin. Have some Allegra. No sneezing to hurt the back again, okay? Hey, I'm all beat up right now. This wrestling season's weighing on me, Luke. Hey, the high school wrestling season is tough as any training camp I've ever been in in my entire life. I mean, I am just, it is beating me down, but I love every moment of it. I mean, holding on to my marriage by string. To think that my wife goes went to 24 training camps and one rest of the season, she's like, how could you watch this so much? But, um, hey, the ups, the downs, everything has just been perfect. The Gilroy High School Mustangs going to the conference this week and state next week. I'm loving it. But, Luke, boy, it is a grind. Season's over in two weeks, and I'm excited about it. Well, get through it the best you can. It's always a thrill to have the UFC heavyweight champion. You're one of the good guys, Daniel. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Luke. Appreciate it. There he goes, the heavyweight champ. How great is that? We go from that to one of the rising stars of MMA. He competes, by the way, on that card where Cain Velasquez is headlining. I believe he's on Skype, if I'm not mistaken. So we go back to that. It is the funk master himself. Oh, look at him. Al Jermaine Sterling. Yeah. <laughs> What's up, man? I nothing much, man. Just uh, enjoying the grind, enjoying these last few days before showtime. Where'd you get the brass knuckles? Uh, my boy, one of my best friends, uh, Enoch Maurice, we wrestled together. He's the reason I actually started wrestling in high school. I didn't want to do it because, honestly, I thought it was not for me. Let's just say that. I use the PC term. It just wasn't for me. But I eventually came out and... Look where I am today. Looking great. Uh, and, and you have the gold rope back. Am I wrong that I, it's gone away for a little while, but you're bringing it back now, right? Nah, I've been, I wear it for every single fight. It's just, uh, I can't, I can't keep up. Fights, yeah. Outside of the fight events, I try not to, uh, use it too much, you know? So call him Bubba. I bring Bubba out for the, for the big, for the big show. It, well, Bubba looks nice on you. Thank you for making some time for us. Let's just sort of jump right into this one. Jimmy Rivera, boy, what a tough challenge. 
you know, you two guys from relatively similar necks of the woods, the tri-state area, I guess, might be the best way to describe it. You know, this is important because the winner will probably get, if not more, into the top five of the bantamweight division. But be honest, aren't there regional bragging rights on this one too? A hundred percent. And then honestly, <laughs> there's a lot more than just winning the UFC fight. It's we're going to unify the CFFC champion with this, uh, with this matchup. And, you know, he's been talking a whole lot of shit from about five years ago, just ragging on me, talking about my stand up, and he could beat me and he's better than me. And I'm like, dude, I know I got bigger muscles than you, but just let it go. I'm already in the UFC. Just let me do my thing. Let me get my shine. Uh, all right, let's talk about Jimmy Rivera. Let's size him up as an opponent. Uh, what When you think about the biggest threats, what are they? I think he's very well-trained, very well-schooled. He's got good timing with his combinations. Um, I think he brings – he's well-rounded, I'll say that. He can wrestle. I don't think his jiu-jitsu is anywhere near mine. But um, outside of that, I think – he does really well whenever someone makes an initial movement. He does really well with just timing it with his counters. Uh, that slip, slip the jab right into his right hand, left hook, right cross, or he'll double up on the body and then come up and finish towards the head. Um, I don't think he's fought anyone who really kicks the way I kick and who can wrestle the way I, I wrestle. So that, I think that's going to be the X factor in this fight. Um, do you agree that? Actually, let me let me state it differently. True or false? It's better for you that this is three rounds versus five, or no? How, what where do you come down on that? Ah, I think if it was five rounds, it would be even better. Hundred percent. I when I fought for Cage Period, all the title fights were five round fights. Even though my last three opponents, I finished them, but the first one I had went the distance, full twenty five minutes. Um, and I know I got the gas tank to go for days. It's just kind of. It's a little unfortunate that this one wasn't a main event, but who could be mad at, at Francis Ngannou and Cain Velasquez coming back and taking the spot? So I can't can't harp on that too much, but I do wish it was a five-rounder. Uh, how, how would it massively change your strategic approach? I, know, I think uh, with more time, I have more time to break them down. With the three rounds, I think as a professional, when you when you get to the levels that we're at, to be a Jimmy Rivera, to be Aljamain Sterling in the positions that we're in, to be in the top five, you have to have a gas tank to go all three rounds, especially at the lighter weight classes. And I think, I think that's the difference. I think he's comfortable with those three rounds. I think if I had more time to push the pace, I I tend to I tend to crack guys, and I I really feel it when I'm in there. So, if the fight was a little longer, I think it benefits me no doubt, especially with the grappling exchanges. To go from grappling to striking. It's not an easy thing to do. And to go back and forth between the two for 25 minutes, that would have been my edge right there. But 15 minutes should be enough to get the job done. I took out my last opponent and Cody Stammen. He thought the D2 wrestling was greater than D3 wrestling. I had to shut that shit down. And uh, I'm going to have to bring back that, that wrestling arsenal to the table and go out there and beat a human backpack once again. You know, what's interesting is your grappling has always been on point, although obviously it's gotten better. And your striking has, you know, just incrementally come along. But now it's seriously formidable. Here's the deal, though. We had Ryan Hall in the MMA hour, and he was like, I love Aljamain Sterling's grappling, which is to say, in a good way, you have a reputation as a grappler, a very good one. But I wonder if it's an outdated reputation. It's not to say you're not one, but now maybe that's still your best skill set, but you're well-rounded enough now where I don't know that that's a complete picture. Yeah, I, I 
would definitely 100% agree with that. And I, uh, when I called Rivera out after I lost my my two fights to Caraway and Osunsao back to back, and I called him out, I was now on the downswing when I was right on the cusp of fighting for a world title. If had I gotten through Caraway, and Jimmy Rivera was still working his way up, and then when I called him out, he didn't want to take the fight with me. I think it would have been smarter if he had taken that fight with me back then while I was still growing and still developing my striking. I think now I could do anything I want. It's just a matter of my comfortability is always going to be favoring the grappling side. And if that's the, the path of least resistance, I'm going to take it. But I don't necessarily need, need to force the, the takedowns like I used to before when I first got to the UFC. I, I just learned how to really throw a punch almost getting to the UFC. If we're going to be honest here, I didn't really learn how to punch the proper way, sitting down on punches, being comfortable in those pocket exchanges, and getting out of there and and just setting everything up the right way. So I think uh, you look at the Aljamain back then and the Aljamain Sterling now is just night and day in, in comparison. So I like I said, wherever this fight goes, I'm 100% comfortable no matter where it goes. But the wrestling dictates where the fight ends up. You both have a loss to Marlon Moraes. You have been on a two-fight win streak since then. Him won. He beat Dotson. I think you beat Stamen. And who is the other gentleman? You beat Brett Johns. Brett Johns. Uh, yeah. Um, is there Both of your fights with Moraes were short, yours and his. Is there anything to read into either of them in your mind? No, except his was uh, faster, so I guess that means uh, I did. <laughs> I don't know. There's nothing, there's nothing you can really take from that. They, well, one thing I will say, every single fight Rivera's been in so far within the UFC, he has been kicked in the head. Pedro Munoz, uh, Yuri Alcantara, except for Marcus Brimage, but that was kind of a gimme fight, let's be honest here. And uh, no disrespect to, to Marcus, but he was, he's was he been knocked out a bunch of times at that point. So it made Jimmy look like he was this big, powerful bantamweight. But really, all his fights before that were decisions, hugging decisions against the cage or taking you down and laying in your guard. And that's just being brutally honest. I respect Rivera. At the end of the day, I know he's gotten so much better, but I'm calling it how I see it from his development. I've been watching him for a very, very long time because I always knew this pinnacle, this point would eventually happen. And um, yeah, that's that's the one thing I will say. And who's the other one? Obviously, Marlon. And there was one more. Well, not, not Thomas Almeida, but Almeida did put him down, I think twice clipped him, and his eyes rolled back in the back of his head a few times. I'm just saying... That's typically not a good sign, and I think if I can land one good one with the shin or even with with, with my hands, I think it could be a short night for him. So uh, I think there's the balls in my court. I know I might be the underdog, but screw Vegas. Fuck those guys. I never count myself. I always bet on myself, and I'm going to double down on this one. Winner should be a top five fighter, right? Top five ranked fighter, excuse me. 100%. Um, but Jimmy's already number five. He thinks a win over me does nothing for him, but I, I beg to defer. I think uh, my last two wins have been probably more exciting than his last his last win. Uh, I mean, I don't know. You you guys be the judge. I'm just I'm just a fighter. Yeah, I mean, I don't rank either, but I would, it would seem to me that uh, that the two serious contenders. Uh, this is an important fight. Let me ask you about the top of that division, man. Cause it's all up in the air. You know, Marlon's done good work. I think he should get a title shot. TJ goes down. Let's, let's go piece by piece here. Is it a bit of a disaster for Bantamweight that Dillashaw went down and lost the way he did? Yeah. Yes and no. I mean, it doesn't affect the Bantamweight division, but it did slow us down. And now we got to have this immediate rematch. 
granted, if TJ lost, if it, he just lost like a decision or something, we probably won't be in this argument or this predicament now. But the way he lost, I can only imagine. I know what that feels like. I know what it feels like to go out there and put in all those weeks, those training weeks, and go out there and just make a mistake and get caught. And granted, the ref could have let that go a little bit longer, but that probably wouldn't have changed the outcome of the fight. But to lose like that, as a champion, you're going to want to get that 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 loss. I just, just get that taste out of your mouth. So I get that. But you have tough competitors at this weight, worthy contenders. Marlon Marais this 100% deserves the next shot. He took out everyone in front of him for the most part. And the rematch, he won decisively. And you got to give it to Mr. One Punch Man. So um, I don't know. It just it kind of sucks. But hopefully they push that Sayudo fight because he doesn't want to fight to July. So, and uh, I know TJ wants to fight sooner than that. So hopefully he can get in there and fight Marais or something, just mix it up. And then if he wants to go get a rematch with Sayudo or something later down the line, then that's completely fine. So here's the thing. If they, I mean, God knows what they're going to do. Your guess is as good as mine on this one. If they do the rematch, if they, if they make Marlon wait, I, I don't know. Do, do you care if the fight happens at Bantamweight or Flyweight, the rematch between Sayudo and, uh, and Dillashaw? Uh, I guess ban away so that we can have some clarity. Um, but then that doesn't, that really doesn't help us because then Marlon is still waiting. And honestly, you know, granted everything goes my way and I, you know, it come out, get the win, you know, against Rivera. I would a hundred percent like to run that back with Marlon. I know he doesn't need to take the fight with me. does nothing for him, but I would love to get that back. I, I look past him, you know, whatever happened, dab KO. Most infamous thing for me, but whatever. I, I would love to run that one back because I think I – obviously, I know I have much more to offer than that. Certainly, you've shown it as well, which leads me to this part of the question. Here is the top of that division. Now, Garbrandt's got a fight coming up against Pedro Munoz. He's currently the number one contender for whatever that's worth. Uh, Dominic Cruz is two, but he's out, right? Asensao just lost. Uh. Marais is at four. And then Rivera's at five. So here's a question. If you beat Rivera – how how far away from a title shot are you? I would probably one more, if not the next guy. I mean, let's just say in a perfect world, TJ beats Sayudo. Then he beats Marlon. I can't see how I wouldn't be the next guy over uh, Cody Garbrandt. But you never know. I see crazier things have happened. It just got to be the right time, the right place, and if things fall into place for me, then so be it. But if not, I think after this one, I definitely have to fight one more for sure, just to solidify that number one contender spot. And you know, I I want to I want to string together a couple wins anyway, keep growing, keep developing as a fighter, and I think um, when my title shot finally comes, I'll be more than ready. That's interesting because, you know, Cody's in this position where he's number one contender. He's obviously a very, very, very talented fighter, but he's lost twice to the current champ. So as long as TJ holds that belt, promotionally it's going to be a yeah. tough spot for him. So what's, what you said, though, that caught my attention, which is, look, if they give you a title shot next, you're not going to say no, but you wouldn't mind getting a little more competition experience, huh? That's interesting. You usually don't hear that from fighters. What, why would you say that? I see time. You, this is it's like history. History repeats itself over and over again. How many of these guys they jump into a title shot before they're ready, before the, before they're they should be in that that mix, and they end up falling short. And I want to make sure when my opportunity comes, man, I'm able to seize the moment. I don't want no outside randomness, crazy shenanigans happening, 
And then I got to just kind of jump into it. And we've seen it. You never know. When, when life hands you an opportunity, you got to take it. I'm not saying if it was given to me that I wouldn't take it. I would, 100%. Because you never know when that title shot is going to come. And it might not ever come. Some people, we've seen some of the best guys, Jeremy Stevens. We've seen the Cowboy Cerrone's. Those guys who's fought so many times. And it just, those title shots elude them. But Cowboys obviously had a shot, his two shots. Um, but just this, you just never know what's going to happen. So when life presents an opportunity, sometimes you just got to kick that motherfucking door in and just take that shit. But <laughs> I would like to make sure I put myself in a position to be ready and have the coaching staff behind me, my teammates, Al, Wyman, all these guys pushing me and make sure I'm well prepared to, to go out there and seize the, seize the moment. Uh, and then let me get your prediction for the main event. Cain Velasquez coming back. You noted it would be great that these two of the best bantamweights in the world would be on the main card. You're still on ESPN, which is great, obviously, and you're the main event of those prelims, so it does count for something. But your prediction for the main event, sir, I would love to pick your brain on that. Well, there's not much to break down with Cain Velasquez besides his last fight, which was God knows how long ago. What was that, two years ago at this point? Yeah. Um, I mean – He's always going to have the cardio. He's going to be cardio Kane. He's got the great wrestling. We've seen what Stipe did to him. I think Kane is the better wrestler than Stipe. So with that being said, if he does not get clipped, if he can avoid an Aganu big shot right out of the gate, because that's when he's most dangerous right out of the gate, I think Kane is going to have his way with him for five rounds. Man, or I look for Yeah. His, his, car, his ground and pound is, is serious. But like I said, we haven't seen that in such a long time. So... We just don't know how much Ngannou's been working on his grappling. Some people say they're working on the grappling. They're going to take time off, and they do absolutely nothing, and it drives me nuts. You should be in a wrestling room learning the basics ground up because if you don't put yourself in that learning mindset, you would never be able to catch up to what a wrestler's been able, been doing his entire life, all college, career. It's just it's night and day, and it's these little, small, intricate details about wrestling that that translate over into a fight that even though you're doing all these MMA wrestling, it's not exactly the same as wrestling for wrestling. If that makes any sense. It makes absolute sense. Well, I got to tell you, I can't wait to see your fight. UFC on ESPN one, the main event of the prelims when you take on Jimmy Rivera for big, big doings in the end. Funk master. There he is. He's got bubble with him. He's got the brass knuckles. Thank you so much for your time. Al Jermaine. Can't wait to see you guys out there in Phoenix. Thank you, buddy. Tune in, ESPN, February 17th. Let's go. <laughs> there he is. There he is. One of the best in the world. All right, let's do this now. It is time for the sound off. Let's go to my friend. He is the ahi to my empanada. He is the queso blanco to my chocolate. Stanny Segura in the back. All right, we'll do the tweets afterwards. But let's get okay. to these calls. Set them up, son. What do we got? We got good stuff today? We do, man. Some real good stuff. Um, let's see. Well, let's just get started. Let's just let's see what happens. Yeah, thank you. Hey, guys. Uh, it's Corey out of Edmonton, Alberta, Canada again. Last night was a great night of fights. There were so many that I'd like to talk about, but I just want to kind of focus on Adesanya versus Silva. Uh, do you guys think that Israel's performance was enough to skip Gaslam for that title shot? I don't really think that it was. Uh, I felt like like Adesanya needed to get that finish in the first uh, to make that happen. But anyways, uh, let me know your thoughts. And uh, yeah, one more thing is uh, I thought it was a great job by Gaslam coming out with Zahuda's belt and trying to secure his title shot. 
uh, I just thought it was brilliant. Anyways, take care, guys. Thanks. All right, so a couple of things to tackle here. First of all, do you, I mean, with the UFC, like, we know that rankings and, you know, we've, we saw Colby Covington, interim champ, getting skipped over. Is there a chance for Adesanya to step in and be the next challenger to uh, Robert Whitaker? Uh, it is highly possible, but based on what he said in the interview here, if they wanted to run it back between Whitaker and Gastelum, he would let them, let them, you know, I mean, it's obviously right. the UFC's call, but he wouldn't, he wouldn't object. And then he would step in after that. He doesn't really care about the interim. You know, he seemed to find that idea absurd to begin with. So, um, yeah, I mean, I agree. I think, look, if you brought Gastelum to the point where he was at fight week for a title shot, there are no rules governing this, as I mentioned on the MMA beat. But the right thing to do is to honor that. Yeah. It's to honor that. So I think they should do that. By the way, I have an update on Gastelum and the um, the staff thing in a second. But go ahead. See what you okay. want to say. I think it's totally a possibility, but I don't think they will go that route because, you know, if Adesanya was making a claim to be the next in line, you know, regardless, uh, I think there would be an issue there. I'd be like, okay, maybe the UFC could possibly, you know, think about booking that fight. Um, But given the fact that he's like, eh, you know, like, I I can wait for those two, and he's been pretty busy. Um, I I think that fight will likely happen, the Gastelum, uh, Robert Whitaker. But, hey, you never know, right? Yes. By the way, I... um this is from a somebody who is a ringside yeah. physician. Wait, do you want to? Um, okay, no, never mind. Go for it. Because on tweet, somebody asked you about the stuff. So. Oh, then I will wait. Yeah, then I will yeah, wait. Hold on to That's that. That's fine. Yeah. Okay, okay. All right. So the next part about that question: What did you think about um, Gastelum with the belt situation? Look, uh, didn't work for me. But uh-huh. here's not your cup of tea. No, not my cup of tea. But a lot of things are my cup of tea that are everyone else's cup of tea. So really. Yeah, I'm hardly a – it's like my life is niche sports and death metal. It's like I wonder why I have no friends. But um, look, here's the point. It's not that I care or don't care. That's irrelevant. What matters is um, fighters who have no guarantees will do a lot to rally the public or management on their behalf yeah. because they have no guarantees. That's what that was. So yeah. in that sense, it's completely understandable. Whether yeah. it worked – Ask somebody else. Yeah. I, I, I kind of liked it, but I, I definitely see where Gaslam's coming from. And, dude, he was on the headlines, you know, because of that. Um, I, I'm sure he would have been anyways because, you know, it was relevant to talk about his withdrawal. Well, R- Whitaker's withdrawal and his canceled fight. But, man, th- that was popping a little bit whether you like it or not. So, um, definitely a, a nice little insurance there to get that title shot, I thought. Fair enough. Yeah. All right. With that, that leads us to another question. Um, let's just, you know, we don't have to spend a lot of time in this one. Let's just clarify things. Okay. Because some people are confused. All right. Hey, Luke. This is Reggie from the MMA hotbed that is New Jersey. Can you just Reggie. explain this Robert Whitaker thing to me? And isn't the rule it's a forfeit once you weigh in? Or isn't that some sort of hard and fast rule that after the weigh-in, the about is officially on, that anything from that to the fight counts as a forfeit? Or is it just whatever, you know, Dana White and the commission's decide? Thanks a lot. Love the show. No, there is basically is Kelvin Gaslam the UFC middleweight champion. No, there is no forfeit rule. I know he was like, yeah, I had some some people were asking me that. No, like, there, is, there. I mean, if you enter the cage and you say I quit before the first punch is thrown, that's forfeit. Um, yeah. But there's no forfeit rule by virtue of medical emergency. Yeah, I, and Kelvin's thing was like, you know, I come from wrestling, and that's not how they do it. I'm like, right, but this is not wrestling, so. It's like, you know, it's like I I come from the land down under and here we eat Vegemite sandwiches. Right. Well, here in Los Estados Unidos, we don't. So there you go. Yeah. 
All right. Well, let's talk about Adesanya. He was he was definitely the big the, the biggest winner out of that card. Um, so let's see what's next for him. All right. Hey, this is Richard from Las Vegas, Nevada. Richard, First off, I just want to say thank you for all your content that's on YouTube. We got you. Really homie. helped me get through work. Uh, my question is Adesanya versus Jacare Souza. How do you see that match going? I think that's the way that UFC should go after Adesanya versus Silva. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Hey, I think that'd be a fun fight, but is that the way the UFC should go about things, or should, should they put them on ice? That's what I thought they were going to do after UFC 230, because yeah. you've got one of the best strikers in MMA versus a guy who is obviously still quite the lethal threat. Now, he would have to get Adesanya down, but Jacare is athletic, and even at an advanced age, a very good wrestler, has always been one of the jiu-jitsu guys who could wrestle even from his early days in MMA. So, um, yeah, look... If you ask Adesanya, he's past it. If you ask Jacare, he's past that. I would not mind seeing it. Um, I, I think it's an important test of Adesanya, and I think it's an important test of Jacare. Plus, you know, look, if Jacare wins, he would deserve a title shot at that point. So yeah. it all depends on the timeline of the title, if you ask me, though. Yeah, let's see what happens with Robert Whitaker. According to Matt Damon, um, what's Matt about four Damon. weeks? <laughs> uh, you knew that was coming. Yeah, so... I, let, let's see what happens, but ideally, I would like to see. I think Adesanya did enough, and I think you can't top a win over Silva main eventing. Uh, you know, I would assume wherever they put him, you know, against Jackery, it would probably be a co-main event of a pay-per-view, um, or maybe a main event ESPN. But I, I feel like he already did enough to like you know get a title shot. Um, so I'd like to see him wait. There's a lot of guys who are in really interesting, good, deserving positions. Dude, yeah. Adesanya a year ago today beat Rob Wilkinson. I mean, just think about that. Yeah. Five fights in a calendar. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah, also give the guy a break, man. Come it's insane. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's like, you know, you're telling me Adesanya versus Jacare is a bad fight? No, it's an amazing mm. fight. It's yeah. just, um, you want there's so many good guys you want to see do well. You got to give it to Gastelum. You already brought him to the dance. He is owed that. Yeah, for sure. All right, well, let's talk about the other side of the equation, Anderson Silva. By the way, thanks for acknowledging, um, you know. You were halfway right. You were more halfway right. You were more right than— I, I was pretty on point. I, I don't mm, know what you're talking mm, about. You were more— Okay, well, look, what was wrong? What was here's wrong? what I'll give you. You were certainly more right than me. I will give you that. But this idea Facts. that it was, that it was like, really competitive in the end— not really, dude. Not really. He threw 11 strikes in the first and third hey, rounds. I, ha- I, I had a 29-28. I thought Silva won one round. Yeah. Look, the, it was a, it was a very technical battle. It was like, masters of, of 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 you know deception. I think it was uh, I think it was one round where it was close, and I think it was two rounds where one guy just kind of styled on the other guy. To be honest with you, and the tape kind of shows that there was tension in the room, yes. and it was closer than I thought it was going to be. And he probably took the second round. In that sense, you're you're more right than I am. What I object to is this idea that it was close throughout. No, it was not. It was not close throughout. Sure, but but you know, now looking back, it was definitely a fight to make. I mean, it felt nice seeing like Anderson, like even Anderson Silva. I don't feel like he was a big loser, but let, let's just hold on to that idea and let's tackle this next okay, question. Okay. Hey, listen, Danny. This is Bora from Edmond, Oklahoma. Uh, big time fan, and um, I just had a um, question. What did you make of uh, Anderson's performance yesterday? Um, for somebody who's like 40, uh, 40 something, he, he actually, I think he looked pretty good. Um, and, um, uh, I think he and Whiteman, uh, three would be a great matchup. So, um, let me know. 
You know, I hadn't it's thought about that. One. Thank you. That's an interesting question. A third fight with Weidman? I feel like that would work because I feel like God, you know, people didn't get much of a uh, cl- much closure in, in those two fights. You know, they could say, well, the leg break, the leg break. Well, you know, he was clowning. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of that still going on. That's around, such so. an interesting question. Yeah. And to do that in Curitiba after he's coming off of a, a devastating loss. Wow, that would be interesting. Um, man, I you know, I hadn't thought about that at all. That is such a great, great question, a yeah. great point. Do you like that idea? I do, I do, but I think there are, dude. The one that I've always been wanting to see is the GSP fight, and I feel like they're not like, gonna do it. Why not? You, no, no, you're not. You're saying it like it's a good idea, and I'm agreeing. I had Saint Pierre on my radio show just a couple of months yeah. ago, and he was like, "Yeah, no, no, it's not. It's not happening. It's not happening. That that'll be forever." Uh, I know a lost you know. a lost opportunity. Yeah. I, I look. I, I agree. I agree. I certainly agree. It's just. It's just. I. You know. It's like the yeah. Nick Diaz thing. You just can't count on it, man. You really can't. And yeah. that that third fight with Weidman, that would be something. That would really yeah. be something. Here's the one thing I want to say about Silva. The well, here's what bothered me about that first and third round, and this is why I object to the competitiveness argument a little bit. A little bit. Yeah. Again, you were more right than I was, certainly. But the one thing that kind of bothered me was, I mean, all right, I'll give you your due. I'll give you, I'm not afraid to give you your due. You have good ideas. That's why you're on the show. I like you. You're smart. Uh, the, what bothered me was, what is one of the telltale signs of decline? It is when someone stops throwing back a lot. And in the second round, you did not see that. That was sort of, and by the way, if okay. you remember uh, Anderson yeah. throws about three strikes a minute, three significant strikes a minute. It was a 15-minute fight. You're expecting about 45. In the second round, he had 20, which put him on pace for 60, right? So that was really, really good Anderson Silva right there. Fair, Not vintage, but pretty close. Mm-hmm. In the first and third rounds, he just wasn't throwing a lot. So here's my point. I'm not saying, oh, he's washed. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is he was so high that he can experience decline and still not get blown out, but not getting blown out it's not enough. It's not For enough sure. to get that next gear. And that's what kind of bothers me a little bit. I would I would actually fight back against that argument. Okay. I think if you look at Anderson's career, I think this might have been the best striker he's ever fought, ever, maybe. Pure striker, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, and you, we know Adesanya. We know Adesanya likes to disguise things. I mean, you you said it best on, on the Monday Morning Analyst, how, like, you know, he, he, he'll, you know, do a fake, he'll throw certain punches out there to bait you. Man, you got to be careful out there, you know? So I don't buy too much into Silva's output specifically specifically for this fight. You know, keeping in mind that he was fighting the Yushin Okamis and all these guys that perhaps are, are not as good at striking as, as Arasanya is. Yes. So and to, I don't put too much stock into To that. your point, his pace in the Bisping fight, I didn't mention this on the Monday Morning Analyst, was on pace. It was correct. Yeah. And then I forget who else he fought. Oh, on the Brunson fight, also, B- also Bisping's on not a one-punch knockout type of guy, you know. He's with volume, so you can't afford to go in there and mix it up with him. As, as Adesanya, you know, he really hasn't showed us one-punch knockout, but, I mean, he could he could damage you real bad if, if, if you're not careful. I take so. your pushback as real, but let's just do this. Yeah. Let's monitor his output going forward yes. and see if this is the beginning of that or if it was just an aberration. But safe to say... Because this is this has been always my thing. Safe to say, Anderson Silva's not washed up. Safe to say, he's a top fifteen middleweight. Do you agree? I think I think I would give you that, but it's hard to say that in a loss. Like I need to see him beat somebody, not right. just hang around yeah. really good That's guys. True. You know? Yeah. I just want to see him in fun fights, man. At this point, like, like I said, you were more right. He was not as far gone as I yeah. thought, and that's where I was wrong. Um, now let's talk about Conor McGregor again popping up and threw out there an interesting How about idea. That? How about yeah. that? he was threw going after Gastelum idea. and yeah, yeah. everything? I actually like this idea better than the Weidman 3, although I would love to see it down the road. Okay, go ahead. 
Hey guys, what's going on? It's Ricardo from Toronto. Um, T dot. So after this uh, UFC 254 in the post by press conference, uh, Anderson had stated that he has spoken to Nick Diaz about uh, doing a possible rematch at UFC 237 in Brazil. Uh, to which uh, your boy Connor on Twitter responded with uh, "book the fight" and said that he would fight Nate on it. So a Connor Nate trilogy. And Nick Diaz and Anderson, too. That's got to be the biggest pay-per-view of all time. What do you guys think about that? Thanks, guys. Let me say something first. If anyone in the back Mm -hmm. can give me a tissue, I would be greatly appreciative of that. Um, Okay. That aside. Do the old wrestling thing. (laughs) I'm just kidding. The old. Oh, yeah. Um, Here's what I would say. I mean, in the words of Jeremy Botter, why would you wear pants if you're going to have Diaz Silva on the same card as Nate McGregor. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Uh, that is, that would be the, f- just toss it. Hey. <laughs> nice catch. Still got it with the Odell Beckham Jr. of Kleenex. Huh? All right. Um, in any event, dude, that would be tremendous. It's just how on earth are you going to get both Diaz brothers to Brazil? Good luck with that one. Yes, uh, that's that's where I have a different opinion uh, than Conor McGregor. I think those fights, dude. I'm down to watch those two fights. Make them in Vegas, though. Hey, heck, make them in New York. Yeah. Um, but dude, yeah, th- those would be great fights. I, I still want to see the Conor McGregor Nate Diaz trilogy. I think that has to happen before he retires. Hopefully, um, it, it's a, it's a, you know it's one one man. You know you gotta you gotta sort it out. And then the, the Nick Diaz Anderson Silva one, I think I think this time around it would be more fun than than the first time. I don't know. Can I make a point about the Diaz brothers? Yeah. When they were on MMA Uncensored Live on Spike TV, we got them both in studio at the same time. A feat that has not been accomplished since 2012. G-O-A-T. Your boy booked those two. We got them both in studio. Okay. I want credit as the greatest of all time. There is no more difficult feat. Bro, you'll find the Loch Ness Monster and Bigfoot before you find two Diaz brothers together. And Sean we Shelby. did it. Sean Shelby and the UFC should hit you up. You know, make them fight on the same card. Like I said, dude, I have all these good nice. ideas and no one ever yeah. listens. Okay. But, you know, here we go. Just want to point that out. All right, cool. Um, do we got time for one more? Do you want to oh, switch have, no, over no, no. to have, uh, have, tweets? No, no, we have time for a couple more. Okay. Once again, I'll just scream uptown like I always do. What's new? Yeah. All right. Uh, let's talk about the upcoming card. Pretty good, man. It's, that I ESPN would card, argue, yeah. Yeah, I would actually argue that it's better than the pay-per-view we just saw. I would. It's the first one at ESPN. They came correct. Yeah, for sure. The matchups are really good. Yeah. Hey, Luke and Danny. It's Mike calling from Deerfield Beach, Florida. I just have two questions. My first one's about Carl Gracie. What is your expectation for his debut in the UFC? Do you feel that uh, I feel like he comes in a little too desperate with his clinch game to try to come in for the grappling exchanges? Do you think Alex Caceres has been working on Muay Thai or any clinch work in the middle? And uh, what do you expect coming out of that fight? And then what is your dark horse fight for the fight card? Mine is between Vicente Luque and uh, Brian Barbarino and Algernon Sterling and Jim Rivera. Uh, what are your thoughts? Thanks again for the answer. If you the answer. Um, okay. Great question about Crone. So let me say this. I have not seen his stand-up, and no one's seen his stand-up enough. Yeah. Who obviously people who train with him have. 
in order to make an accurate judgment about his abilities in that regard. So your guess is as good as mine. And if it's probably on the feet, probably he loses. Let me be very clear as I look into the camera here about the groundwork. Probably no one in the UFC um, is as good as jiu-jitsu as he is. Now, there's Demi and Maya. He's up there probably as good, if not uh, – you know, Maya's probably better or certainly on the same level. Um, and then Jacare as well. But Crone was the last one of those guys at that level – to compete and then make his way into MMA. We are talking about a level of jiu-jitsu where if they get you down, chances are there's just no looking back on that one. Very, 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 very high level. He is superb on the ground. As for the rest of it, I don't know. He mentioned Dark Horse. I'd like to call my Dark Horse on this one. Uh, Danny, jo uh, Jessica Penny versus Jody Esquibel. Mm -hmm. I have long been a fan of Jessica Penny. I thought that uh, we haven't really seen the best of her in the UFC. She was a different force before that when she was just roughing people up. Um, and she has always had really good ground and pound and good good uh, um, jiu-jitsu that we just haven't really seen in the UFC. I don't know if we're going to see it against Jody Esquibel, but she was yeah. back from a USA suspension where she cleared her name and still got 18 months. So that's the one I'm looking for. Yeah. There's so many. The, the thing about this card is that like it doesn't have like a, a lot of star power, but the matchups are you can you can tell you know the matchmakers in this one sat down and carefully drew it out because every single matchup is just fantastic. I can I can name a few, but I'm really excited for the Alex Casters Cron Gracie one. Um, I think Courtney Casey versus Cynthia Calvillo or Calvillo that might be uh, that might steal fight of the night. Th these two girls good are call. very they're very scrappy. They're very good grapplers. They're they're good everywhere, really. And uh, they always they have uh, a high output and high pace. So that should be a fun. You know what's great sure. about this, Courtney Casey and and um, and Calvillo, as you pointed out, two ladies who are technical. Yes, but also if they got if they got to bite on that mouthpiece a little bit and thug it out, they will. Yep. Uh, which I kind of like as well. By the way, James Vic Paul Felder that was supposed to be at UFC yes. Nebraska, they rebooked that Casares versus Gracie yeah. Vicente Luque, the most underrated fighter in the UFC, oh, yeah, for sure. versus fellow Colombiano there, Brian Barberena. Uh, Tough as nails, Andre Feely. By the way, Brian Barberena ran into. Uh, Pete Rubish. You know who Pete Rubish is? No idea. He is one of the world's best deadlifters, and their worlds crossed. Pete Rubish, shouts to Pete Rubish, tagged me in the Instagram post and uh, felt like a celebrity for once in my life. Nice. Get them followers. So shouts to Pete Rubish. You want to see a guy whose neck is the size of his waist and who can deadlift the moon. There you go. Yeah, but overall, good cards. Also headlining the prelims, the very early prelims, former UFC champion Hennem Barrao. Jesus, I didn't even notice Fighting that. Luke Sanders. And uh, by yeah. the way, I favored Luke Sanders to win that one anyway. Yeah, wow. I always, I'm always fascinated by by these uh, type of matchups. You know, like not so long ago, you know, um, Maynard fighting Ryan Hall, uh, you know, et cetera, BJ Penn. W when you get somebody that's really good that was at the top, and you know, they're they're looking to get back in there, and uh, it's always interesting to see if they they're going to be able to turn things around. Agreed. Yeah. All right, we got time for one more. Yeah, we got time for two more. I mean, it's fine, dude. I'll just you know. Okay. My, my life is a series of scrambles. Yeah. Let's talk about um, Robert Whitaker and his injuries. Hey, good morning, Luke Thomas. Danny Segura. This is Charles Jaylen calling out of Atlanta, Georgia. My question is about Georgia. What can we do for uh, you? Robert Whitaker. Uh, do you think he has become the most injury-prone champion the UFC has ever had? Um, yes, I understand this last injury was very, very significant. I mean, I, too, have had an inguinal hernia surgery uh, back in December. And I missed the whole month of December, pretty much. Uh, I was limited to weightlifting for that whole month. So I understand that injury, but the facts are the facts. I mean, he fought one time in 2018. And prior to that, 
this last fight was like July of 2017. So it's, he has a lot of inactivity. I mean, he's so very scared. I love seeing him fight. But what do you think his ceiling is? Or, you know, is he, is he still in his prime? Or has his prime been okay. diminished? All right, all right, I get it. Um, here's the deal. It's a great question. He always calls with good stuff. Yeah. The injury-prone thing, it's like um, you heard Adesanya's theories. Maybe it's the way he's training. Here is one thing that there's not much science on. But what science there is kind of tells us there might be more to dig. Not everybody's body is as susceptible or as resistant to injury as everyone else's. And that sounds kind of obvious, but here's my point. Even if you took somebody else of the same physical dimensions as you or me, um, same weight, same height, same you know uh, limb length, all the different things you could measure, same body fat composition – they still might have wildly different ability to resist injury. There's been yep. guys, you've sure you've seen the training room, they can go to jiu-jitsu six days a week. They yep. can roll two hours a night, and they get a little sore, and they take a day off, and they're fine. And there's other guys, they'll roll two, three days a week, and they get messed up doing yep. it. Um, some people get cauliflower ears, some people don't. It's this weird thing where um, my, my favorite NFL team, the Washington Redskins, their tight end, Jordan Reed, was going to be one of the best tight ends in the league, except he just get, constantly gets injured. Uh, and then there are other guys, similar body type, that just they just don't. They're Iron Men. So he could just be a guy, and I don't know this for a fact, but here's a yeah. theory. He could just be a guy who's just injury prone, and there's nothing yeah. you can do about it. Is he still in his prime? Guys, people don't understand the prime. Prime is when you're at your peak physical powers and when that intersects with your sort of uh, technical skill maturation. You get out of it around your early to mid-30s. He's 28. Yeah. He is so quite clearly in his prime. Yeah. I still feel like he still hasn't hit uh, peak Robert Whitaker. Um, we might see, you know, he might just keep improving in the next couple of years. Um, but, you know, to answer this question, it, it is a little bit concerning just because he's young. And, dude, fighting Yoel Romero for 50 minutes is not good for your Bro, health. Bro, messed him up a That's little a bit. Fact. You know, again, these guys yeah. leave a piece of themselves yeah. in there. Um, but certainly, he, you know, I, I feel like other champions, you can name Kim Velasquez, uh, even Dominic Cruz, uh, they've been... Uh, hindered by injury way more than, than Robert Whitaker has. The thing about career. Kane, though, that, I, again, I don't know this for a fact, yeah. but you've seen the infamous videos of his old, old, old training style. I yeah. mean, how do you not get injured training exactly. that way? Right. Yeah. right. How do you not get injured? Yeah. So part of it also is training and fatigue management. Yeah. I, I don't feel like this for Robert Whitaker. I don't feel like it's like a training issue because, you know, for example, uh, it just doesn't come off that way to me. Um, but, you know, I feel like it's more of a body type thing, as you said. But who knows? All right. All right, let's talk about, you know, the pay-per-view times. Oh, yes. Yo, this is Oliver out of QS, Florida. Uh, just watching the sound right off of episode 467. I just they have, have to reiterate a point. Uh, the quickness of the ESPN card made all of the difference. Um, the extended length of the previous cards drove away so many of my friends from watching the sport. If we could get pay-per-view cards down shorter and over, at a more reasonable hour, I think the sport would grow exponentially. Anyway, thanks for the show. Have a good one, y'all. Dude, the pay-per-view over the weekend, what the main event was over a little bit after midnight or something. Yeah. Something crazy like that. Dude, how awesome was that? That was so fun. Dude, I'm, assu I'm assuming you're sharing my sensibilities about yes. this one. Yeah, I thought the time was great. Um, You know, how do you feel about pay-per-views being, for example, because the standard is always five fights, right? Yes. I think they've added more in the past. When there's been like, you know, two, three belts being defended, I think for the New York one. Um, 
Uh, no, I'm if they add three fights, no, no. They'll, they'll, they, it's been five for almost as many years okay. as I've been covering the sport. They'll have another one they throw in that they air on the broadcast right, that yeah. aired earlier if there's time or something. But it's been five, yeah. I know the UFC for a while tried starting them at 9 p.m. And I feel like that, that wasn't working. But again, that was like years ago. It must have been like six, seven years ago maybe. I don't know. They tried earlier at 9, which I thought was awesome. But I guess yeah. they didn't like the results or what the feedback was on yeah. the uh, – or, you know, even pay-per-view buys. I'll just say this: the uh, paper, the uh, the card for this one starts. The main card starts at nine for UFC on ESPN one, and you know they're done in two and a half hours. And folks, uh, someone uh, bit back. They're like, "That's only like a half hour, forty five, maybe at most an hour shorter." Let's say it's forty five. Split the difference, dude. Forty five minutes of less I'll, bullshit. I'll take it. I'll take that it. is Why not? so. I mean, that is such a tax off yep. the, uh, burden that has been freed from us, dude. The FS one. I'm not kidding, man. The way they did that, dude. I'm not. I'm being dead serious. I know I beat a dead horse with this one. It affected my fandom, dude. It affected dude, my it willingness to yeah. watch. I was resentful of having to sit there and watch that with ESPN just going like this. It's like yeah. manna from heaven. Yeah. Like, essentially, we all came here to watch fights, not commercials. So I understand, you know, it's part of it. But, like, some of the stuff that they were rolling out on FS1 was just filler. It was nothing. Uh, so, yeah, I'm really glad ESPN is, is picking it up. You want to switch over to tweets? tweets? Yes, because I'm going to have to get out of here. Good job right, this cool. week. Sounds good. And um, we'll be back next week uh, and enjoy the fights, my friend. Will do. All right. Time now for a round of tweets. Five minutes on the clock. It starts when the first tweet goes up that I can visibly read. Let's do this. Come on, ATL. How you do that? Yeah. While I'm still good looking, boys. <laughs> My drill instructor used to say that. All right, here we go. After watching Spider Anderson versus Style Bender and reading people's reactions, is there more to be said for Silver's underrated performance rather than Izzy being overrated, especially at the age of 43? Uh, yeah, I mean, look, the guy sets traps and in Silva, and Style Bender didn't want to give in to them. So I think that removed that extra gear he typically goes to to finish him off, that's a credit to Anderson Silva. It was a little bit unsatisfying in terms of what your expectations might have been, but you understand why it happened. Next. Why was Kelvin cleared to fight when he was literally covered and staffed? Staff, excuse me. He admitted in an interview backstage saying he took antibiotics, but he still had open sores that could pass on to Robert through skin contact. So what apparently he told either Megan O'Leary or somebody else was that the doctors gave him antibiotics, and as long as the staff was getting better and going away, it was okay. I guess if it would stay the same or gotten worse, they wouldn't have let him. So I actually asked a ringside physician what they thought of it. Here's what he said. In general, if at the weigh-in there is an active lesion above the waist, the fighter should not be medically cleared. That is a legitimate ringside physician who does work in the state of California uh, and more. Um, I don't know if that matches what those doctors said. In Australia, where they said, yes, that's true, but if it's going down, blah, 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 blah. I don't, I don't know. Some, some additional clarification is needed here, but it is a dicey situation. Next. Which stoppage was more controversial, Alvi or Dillashaw? Neither of them. Next. 
Uh, can we talk about Ricky Simone? First of all, shouts to Ricky Simone has some of the best. I mean, the, people get ironic mullets, and Ricky Simone is like, no, 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 no. I get real mullets because I believe in a, in a um, America populated by them. I appreciate that, first of all. Second of all, what I would say is, yeah, man, great performance. Did everything he needed to do to shut down Hani Yaya. You go to the ground once with Yaya, you might not get back up. So uh, a real smart strategic performance from him. Next. Do you think the UFC should cut ties with USADA? Yes. And implement a more lenient anti-doping program? Yes. Uh, not similar to the NFLs, but, but hold on. If so, what would be the best way to justify or rationalize that position to someone who is pro-USADA? I have made this point before, and people want to ignore it because it is totally inconvenient for the zealotry that they have just mainstreamed and the fiction that they have told themselves that USADA is necessary for MMA, it is totally not. The reality is the most popular league in the United States by a million miles to the point where the AAF did better numbers than the NBA in their viewership over the weekend. Some nubs league filled with guys who are, I mean, they're not truck drivers, but they're not NFL players. The number one league by a million miles also has the highest, not only injury load, but injury load for traumatic brain injuries. And nobody cares at all that they have a PED system in place crafted by the players and the leagues. The broadcasters don't care. The fans don't care. The players want it and the league wants it. They crafted it together. This idea that if you have some system like that, cats and dogs will live together and there will be mass hysteria is a problem is fiction. It is fiction. You are believing in fiction. It is a consequence of moral panic. You want to do what you can to mitigate risk, but there are medicinal arguments for having these kinds of systems in place. You do not need it. It makes no sense for a professional career where it can be short-lived rather than on an Olympic cycle. That's where those two- and four-year punishments come from. This is something done by the organization to protect itself. It's got nothing to do with the health and safety of athletes. Next. Which team wins the Champions League this season? You know which team wins the Champions League this season. Probably Man City. I don't know. Uh, next. <laughs> he says, Atleti, in the back. Why don't you work on beating Real next time? Also, what's the next fun, winnable fight for Lando? Man, that's a good question. I don't know, but keep him busy. Next. I want to get through as many of these as I can. Who do you have winning in the Paul Daly-Michael Venom page fight? Good question. Who do you think will win between Czech Congo and Vitaly Minikov? Are you going to be watching both Bellator cards this weekend? Uh, time permitting, I will. I'm going to go with Paul Daly, but honestly, I don't really know. That's a very, very difficult call, and I'll give Minikov the win over Czech Congo. Next. Uh, what are your thoughts on Conor McGregor's tweets after every UFC event? Annoying as hell or a clever tactic to keep his name in the mix? Both. P.S. Luke, unblock me. Uh, send me his thing, Danny, so I'll unblock him later. Um... Yeah, it's both. It is annoying as hell, but he's smart to do it because, first of all, everyone has a right to weigh in. So does he, and he does. One more, one more, one more. Here we go. Will the UFC ever stop a pay-per-view because the headliner drops out? If it were boxing without the headliner, the whole thing would be canceled, right? Uh, not necessarily. And by the way, I guarantee you they still probably did enough to even break even or make money, which is why they didn't cancel that. You still had Anderson Silva on the card, so it would take probably losing your main and co-main, which... Nobody wants. All right, guys, let me say thank you to Daniel Cormier. Thank you to Israel Adesanya. Thank you to Al Jermaine Sterling. Thank you for the tweets using the hashtag TheMMAHour. Thank you for the calls at 844-866-2468. My name is Luke Thomas. For Danny Segura, we'll be back next week. Until then, stay frosty. <laughs>